Hi, guys. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a very special episode of Story Screen Presents. Uh, my name is Mike Burge, and today my co-host is... Bernadette Gorman-White. And we're going to be talking about the films of Edgar Wright in this brand new miniseries that we're calling... Oh, gosh. We didn't even come up with a name. That's a good name for it. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, we're going to be covering Edgar Wright's uh, filmography in um, a couple different episodes throughout this miniseries. Uh, we're going to be breaking them down into little chunks that allow us to be able to talk about everything like kind of individually by piece and by kind of methodology. So we're not really doing it in, we're not doing it at all in um, chronological order. Nope. Um, just kind of by chunks. And we figured, you know... Uh, the best way to kind of work into it was going to be with an introductory episode, kind of go over why we're doing this and focusing mainly on the Cornetto trilogy of like the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost kind of uh, trilogy that he made of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. And obviously he made Spaced beforehand and he made Scott Pilgrim versus the World somewhere in there, but we're going to be saving those for other episodes mm-hmm. um so getting right into it just like nice and easy just having a good time during this uh wild pandemic that we've got going on out there not being able to have human contact it's fun to turn back to the movies like especially edgar wright's movies who kind of feel like different the different types of versions of good friends that you can have like that sometimes you don't see for a bit and you you get right back into the same mannerisms and modes of them, of which like Shaun of the Dead is a very big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's start out like, uh, Burn, like what's, what's, what's your take on Edgar Wright? Like why, when we kind of pitched this idea, was this like such an interesting and fun sounding idea for us to do? Oh, uh, well, I think I was introduced to Edgar Wright probably when I was in high school and watching Shaun of the Dead for the first time. And I thought that I would like be really far behind, but I think I saw Shaun of the Dead like pretty soon after it came out on DVD. And uh, then just going through the rest of his films as they would come out, going to the movies to watch them. I always have very fond memories of those events, good times with friends. And then watching Spaced when I was in college, it just like cemented my appreciation of of him because he can do such like vastly different stuff but still deliver and still be very true to himself and then uh yeah scott pilgrim just like took me to the next level with like oh no he's like branching out even further it's not this like very normalized like niche thing that he does he can appeal to anyone and yeah i just think he's really great and i'm excited to talk about his work how about yourself all of those things. Hey, it's a cat. It's a cat. Uh, uh, all of those things. And yeah, it's he's just a, a very uh, stylistic director, but also a very good director. Sometimes those things do not come hand in hand. Like when I say good director, I mean, he's a great director. Like my whole argument with Steven Spielberg being one of the greatest directors of all time is the fact that he actually does not really have like a niche style he can kind of warp into any genre and take on any tone and mood that he needs to do. And that's actually one of the 
as far as my opinion goes, one of the defining characteristics of a great director. They can kind of leave their own baggage, personality, and mannerisms at the door and kind of attach their own sensibilities directing-wise to any genre and any story and do it in a different and fun way, which is why Spielberg is so... Um, there's such a variety to his things. Um, but then you get to someone like Quentin Tarantino, who is a great director, but very much has a style. And he's been like kind of changing that style a little bit where it's like, you can see stuff like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. These are like, they have their style. And then he kind of ups the style all the way to 11 for Kill Bill and though and like those things and then he kind of like even in glorious bastards and then he kind of brings it down just a little bit for like django hateful eight and now he's landed directly on like you know one of the greatest movies ever made once upon a time in hollywood i am firmly believing that like five or ten years removed from that movie that's gonna go down as like an absolute classic like the masterpiece like it's it's such a built-out world have you heard that he wants to do like a novelization Uh like he wants to really like 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 really like kind of lay it all out and like talk about it i'm 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 into that that would be very Uh, cool um and then edgar wright is a lot like that where he's there's a lot of things that you can see in the cornetto trilogy that he kind of turned to 11 with scott pilgrim and like just by the necessity of the genre and then with baby driver kind of turned them down to an almost kind of realistic like tempo, like all of the same beats and stuff are in there, but he's kind of like tackling it now in a more like realistic way. There's like a reality to Baby Driver, heightened though it may be, that isn't really present uh, on purpose, like in his other movies. And so being able to kind of like land that style of like he shoots with like this kind of like almost music video quality. You're always aware that you're watching a movie based on like the edits and the cuts and the shots and the music choices. He's always kind of making you aware that you're still watching a movie, but you're still escaping into it, even though you're aware that you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's very I think good that's at that. Ins- yeah, I think that's an insanely uh, Edgar Wright specific thing. A lot of people try and rip it off. Uh, and a lot of other people do it just by necessity and that's what they do as well. But uh, Edgar Wright is the, is the one guy that I think has grown throughout it and evolved sometimes not for the better in my opinion, but like Baby Driver is probably my favorite movie of his overall. I, we're going to figure that, we're going to figure that out as we go. Cause I was, I was watching, you know, I'm watching these three movies for this one and I'm just like, boy, oh boy. This guy can direct a movie. Like, what is, what is, what's, what's, what's my favorite one? And I just keep coming back to like, you know, on the topic of this, like, I think Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite one out of these three. Um, Shaun of the Dead is the one that probably is the best well-made. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like. I don't really, I'm not the biggest fan of World's End as well, to just drop that out there. I... I've seen World's End now three times. The first time I watched it, I was like, okay, good. I, I, I was kind of maybe hoping for a little bit more after the the one-two punch of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which I think are just like insanely, immaculately tight comedies. And at World's End, the World's End, at World's End, yeah. Pirates. <laughs> uh, the World's End always was just like a little harder for me to engage with on a on a comedic angle. Um, and watching it this time, I was really trying to break down. I was doing two things. I was like, let me see 
uh, if I maybe just haven't been in the mood for this and maybe now is the time that I can really get into this movie as much as like a lot of my friends have. Or let's really try and isolate what about it is not connecting with me in the same way that the other two do. And I think I nailed it, but we can save that for the for that one. Yeah, I, I will say that Hot Fuzz, I think, is my favorite out of these three. But after these uh, very speedy rewatches where I watched Shaun of the Dead one day, the next day I watched both of the other two. Mm-hmm. And I had only seen The World's End in theaters. So this was only my second time watching it, and it resonated with me so much more than Mm. it did that first time. Because, yeah, I think when I walked out of the theater from seeing The World's End all the way back in 2013, I liked it, but it was just a good time. Like, it didn't really mean much to me. And especially as the capper to the Cornetto trilogy, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, now that trilogy's Mm. over, and we're never going to get another third movie. But I liked it. But I think I liked it even more watching it, you know, just recently in the slew of these three movies. I think it does make more sense as a whole if you watch them all together. Very much. Which I, I, is yeah. very good. And I don't think it's overwhelming by any means. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like the the watching them as like a trilogy over the past couple of days has been really cool because I've never done that before. Um, but I think with... You know, and Hot Fuzz, I think, is just like, I think it's the funniest. I think it's um, the coolest execution of the specific idea that they're talking about. Like, with Shaun of the Dead, they're like, let's do a romantic comedy, but with zombies. Like, that's the very kind of basic idea of what they're doing. Hot Fuzz, they're like, let's do a, like, buddy action movie, but it's all about, you know, a kind of, like, heterosexual romance between these two like very different types of people who just both need to get their shit together and which is very much like just buddy cop movies only mm-hmm. he's just he's kind of he's kind of heightening the bromance to like a more kind of pop culture nerdism sure sure and, and then the world's end is uh you know let's do it's like an end of the world thing but like let's do like a kind of uh sci-fi alien invasion type uh body snatchers movie but Let's also put in, you know, like I, the idea of like enableism and alcoholism and self-destruction and all and growing up and all of that stuff like in there kind of just like a really like a, a midlife crisis coming of age uh, alien invasion body snatching movie, which are all really great ideas. And I think Hot Fuzz is the one that lands that one the tightest and the funniest. And I think The World's End is the one that those ideas are there. They are very good. They are well acted. I just think that my biggest problem with The World's End is like, I don't think that that movie is funny enough. Oh, really? I think it's, I think it's very funny. And I think there are moments of it that are very funny. But like, beat for beat, shot, like beat for beat, joke for joke, I think it's the one where the speed is a little off at times where they'll just try and get a bunch out at once and then they'll just kind of not do anything for a bit. Whereas like, it kind of always seemed kind of gradual with the first two. And that's, I found my, like, I was laughing my ass off at Shaun of the Dead and especially Hot Fuzz. And then The World's End, I was just like, yeah, all right, yeah, 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 I get it, okay. But I I don't know what it is because I like the movie. It's a sure. very well-made movie. It's just really hard for me to connect with it. And this is the third time I've tried. I don't think it's uh, probably meant to be as funny, though, as the other mm-hmm. two. So I think 
the jokes land when they land. But I think you're right. The jokes are definitely spread out. And I don't think they're the main focus of the film. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, too, if it's because of the cast of the main actors in The World's End. And I love them all individually. And I think they're great. And they're supposed to be friends who had not seen each other for years. But it kind of seems like they never really knew why they were friends in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the other two movies, with it just focusing on Nick and Simon, they're so comfortable with each other that it doesn't matter who else is involved. And then so in The World's End, with that different cast of people all together, who have worked together in the other films, pretty much all of them except for one, maybe like they're just not as comfortable together all sharing the same scenes. I don't know. I don't know why no, it didn't land with you. But. I think that's I think that's a good point. I think it is like, you know, in this rewatch I I realized and I'm I'm really sorry about it. Uh Nick Frost is an amazing actor. Oh yeah. Look, Simon Pegg's a great actor. I think Simon Pegg is an amazing comedic and dramatic actor. I think he's very very good at what he does. Nick Frost I never gave enough respect to the differences between his characters in all three of these movies his performance in hot fuzz (laughs) is just i always likened it i was like oh he's just playing the same character from Shaun of the dead but you watch them right back to back and that is not the case at all they Mm -hmm. they are vastly different and then you know there's the classic you know they swap the straight man and the oddball for simon pegg and nick frost in the world's end where he's nick frost is playing more the straight man up until a point, uh, which is another kind of character thing that happens in that movie that has never really sat well with me because it's his whole thing is that he's not doing this. He's not drinking anymore. We don't know why. And then we find out why at the end in a very awesome emotional scene. But he's also been drinking for hours now. And it's I get that they're getting drunk and they're opening up to one another. I get I, I get what the movie's doing with that. But it also kind of deflates the meaning of that when it's just like, okay, so he's got problems too. But also in this moment now, I feel like it's not as as pushy as it could have been. Um but and that's it and it's still really good because Nick Frost's performance in it is just like the, the two of them just have this chemistry, obviously, because they've worked so closely together for so long. That's just mind-boggling. It's like, the, it, they're like a comedy duo, like Abbott and Costello and all of that stuff. But they've really got this kind of, like, dramatic gravitas to themselves, too, that, like, really helps with these kind of emotional scenes, especially at the end of Shaun of the Dead and during certain moments in Hot Fuzz and kind of all throughout The World's End because it is a much more kind of there's much more of a dramatic, serious undertone to the metaphor that they're dealing with in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they are the emotional core of these three movies. Yeah. And you're saying that in The World's End, you weren't as sold on his reluctance to drink or the reveal or both? Uh, I wasn't. So his reluctance to drink, I found to be one of the most interesting parts of it. Because it's like, oh, it's a mystery. Like, why? What happened? And like, why was everybody so, oh, there's no way that he's going to come out and do this. And I was like, this is interesting. And then he just starts drinking. And I get the moment and it's like a funny moment when it happens. But it also seems like it happens very quickly. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm like, am I supposed to read that as like, he's got a problem too, but nothing else in his character really, um, puts that on the table. He's still, he doesn't start messing up. He actually gets better, honestly, because he's able to like fight off everybody. But I, I, and I get like, they all get drunk and the drunker they get, the more things come out, the more honest they become with one another, the more they kind of realize like, you know, they get that kind of like, they get that drama mama drunk where they're just like, everything is all I get that. And it's just like, there's certain, there's certain character choices in the movie where I'm just kind of like, I don't understand where that's coming from, from the character, even though I like the character and I like what's going on. I just, I think it really is kind of holding it up on this pedestal because of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz Mm -hmm. and really just looking for this emotional hit and this like air of comedy that I've just never been able to connect with the world's end as much as some people that I know. Yeah, I do think it probably, I understand why it's so speedy, but I do think that the pacing in The World's End, it's fast and it has Mm -hmm. to be fast because they have to get to 12 pubs in the course of a movie. And Mm -hmm. we know that going in, but it does seem to move at a clip that makes things not land as they should Mm -hmm. or as hard as they should. Yeah. And yeah, I can see that that would be one scene for sure. Because mm-hmm. they're yeah, like, and- I think in the third or fourth pub at that point. And shit's yeah, already get- hit the wall. And I think it's like the fourth or fifth pub. Yeah, that like they, that's when like the bathroom scene happens. Yes. And the movie, it, it, just like with um, like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, where they really take their, what's up? I think it's the fourth one. The fourth one? Oh, yeah. excuse me. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think it, it just like with the other two movies, they kind of take their time for the first 20 minutes or so to really build the characters, build the world, build the attitude, and then they go, and now zombies or uh, murder mystery or um, body snatching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just kind of moving maybe in sporadic, like kind of backwards order, like the hot fuzz emotional scenes are just like... You know, there's there's a couple really big emotional scenes in Shaun of the Dead towards the end. And Hot Fuzz is kind of littered throughout with all of these real moments of like this like kind of like go-getter, ne'er ne'er do bad, uh like perfectly good at absolutely everything, kind of realizing that he's kind of a dick, but never wanting to admit it, and you've got an amazing Kate Blanchett cameo that <laughs> like surprises me every single fucking time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I completely forget. And then she shows up and she's got some of the best jokes in the movie. And it, there's just like these moments all throughout that it's just such a tight little movie and it's funny. And the jokes never kind of take away from the emotional core, which I think is something that kind of bugs me about The World's End, where it almost seems like the jokes are good, but they're kind of taking something away from the dramatic effect that I'm trying to have, not mm. even necessarily supposed to have. I think and, that uh, makes sense, though, for Gary King, because that's what his whole character yes, is supposed yeah, to be doing. Yeah. It's like, I don't think the movie's doing anything wrong. I think that my uh, my cruise speed is just a little bit different than the movie, because I think the cruise speed of the movie is different from these other two. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely fine. Like, that's the same thing with Baby Driver, is Baby Driver is a very different movie from these three movies, which is why I like it so much, because it's 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 an evolution. It's an extension. Uh, whereas with World's End, some of it kind of comes across to me as like trying to do 
the same stuff but different and the seams showing a little bit more where it's Mm. like he's trying to do something but it's like it's like one of those things you know it's like (laughs) it's a good movie like the world's end is a good movie but it's like probably my least favorite edgar wright movie Hmm. of which like yeah there's like five of them so you know yeah i was gonna say that one of them has to be your least favorite that's the whole thing yeah and it's yeah and it's like one's a master one's a masterpiece and one's like one of the funnest video game movies ever made it's like what can you how can you like battle with these things right right yeah i think uh hot fuzz just landing so well i think it just came out at the right time i think these actors were at the perfect level of like still almost anonymity over here in the States. Like mm-hmm. people weren't like on the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost bandwagon just yet, but they were getting there. And I just think like placing them in a very tiny, sleepy town was just perfect. I mean, just like the way the movie came together. That's why it's perfect. Mm-hmm. What was that movie? Did that movie with Seth Rogen as the alien? The American Nick Frost Simon Pegg movie. Are you talking about Paul? Paul. Paul. Yeah, that that came out in between um, Hot Fuzz and World's End, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think while Edgar Wright was doing um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, they did that separately. Because mm-hmm. I think that was based off of a screenplay that they wrote together or something. I, I think you might be right. Um, I've seen Paul once. And, Me too. And I really don't remember a lot of it. Me neither. Okay. I do I do remember not liking it. I remember thinking it was fine, but yeah. well, I thought it was yeah, kind of boring and kind of just like a very basic movie. Yeah. Which like isn't what you want. That's my not liking a movie. Like I don't it's like I'm like it's fine. Whatever. It's a movie. They worked really hard on it. It, it whatever. <laughs> it's a, who cares? It's a it's a movie. It exists. Watch it if you want. It's fine. Yeah, you're right. It came out in 2011. Yeah, so it came out, like, right in between all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a weird movie. Yeah, it's a weird fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, with Hot Fuzz, like, they, you know, you know, the 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 uh, the third member of all of this uh, being Bill Nye, but you've also got Martin Freeman is in all of these as well. Mm-hmm. You know, as, like, very small roles and stuff. Bill Nye is definitely kind of, like, the biggest in all of them of those two. Uh, yeah. Like, the Hot Hot Fuzz is one of the funniest movies ever made. It is my favorite of these trilogies. It is probably the the best, the most well-made, the most the best directed movie of uh Edgar Wright's filmography. The it is the 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 goddamn opening of this movie with like all of the things that he's done and how good he is, the fact that Simon Pegg goes from playing like Dippy spaced character to Dippy Sean to all the Dippy like characters that he was playing in American comedies to he's an action star and he like completely sells it and you believe that he is an action star. You never, I, I as far as me, like I never once like question like him. He's an action star. Like they nail it so good. His voice is perfect. His mm-hmm. like the way he carries himself is great. And then you get to that deflating scene of like the three, you know, you get um it's Martin Freeman, Bill Nye, and Steve uh Coogan. Coogan. I want to say Steve Fry, but that is not Stephen Fry. Wrong Steve. No. <laughs> Wrong Steve. Uh, and you get Steve Coogan, and like you get these great 
just like like what makes Martin Freeman's comedy Martin Freeman's comedy? What makes Coogan's comedy Coogan's comedy and night? And they all just toss it at Simon Pegg, who's playing the straight man in all of this. And it's really, really great. Like it's it's just funny from that, and then it just keeps getting funnier. Olivia Coleman, my darling, darling. Oh, she's so good in this movie. Yeah, she's just having a lot of fun, which is she, great. You, you can tell that she's, it's like, you know, it's probably the one performance of hers that most closely resembles her accepting awards. Yes. Where she's just like goofing around and having a good time. Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch that Netflix series, Flowers? Um, I did not watch Flowers, okay. no. It's really weird, but Olivia Ooh. Coleman's also great in it. Is that uh, what was the movie? What was the show that I watched recently where she plays like a mom or something? Oh, oh um, Fleabag. Fleabag. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> great in that Fleabag. too. And I was also watching. Uh, oh, I'm watching Everwood, and there's an actress on that that plays um, the mother of one of the characters, and she's slowly becoming a bigger character. And she's kind of like an American Olivia Coleman from the early aughts. Like they, hmm. they look, they look kind of similar. But also, like, their kind of mannerisms are very similar. So I'm just like, ah, it's American uh, Olivia Coleman. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Hmm. But yeah, watching all three movies in a row, um, I never realized that Rafe Spall is an actor who's in all three of them. And he plays Noel, who is a bad employee of Sean's in Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And then he's one of the Andes in... Hot Fuzz, and then in The World's End, he's just a home buyer. He's, like, looking to buy a home. Oh, that's right. He is one of those home buyers. Yeah, Yeah, it's just a very short scene, but Mm -hmm. really getting to, like, enjoy him, which I've never really paid attention to that character, Noel, from Mm -hmm. Shaun of the Dead, really, at all. He's great. I didn't even notice until this last time watching it that Noel is the zombie employee who's, like, doing the cart corral work at at the end of the the movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, just... Picked up on little things that I should have picked up on a long time I, ago. I'm also going to just go on the record, and I don't care what comes back to me. The Andes are the funniest part of Hot Fuzz. Oh, they're so good. They, Patty Considine and Rave Spall, in that fucking movie, uh-huh. are just, you've got a mustache. I know. And <laughs> it's just everything, like how they, like when they call him like wanker and all that, like they are the funniest fucking things in that movie i was laughing out loud every single time that they showed up on camera and weren't even doing anything no. and what does he what does he say like it's okay it's just bolognese <laughs> yes. like with the with the tomato <laughs> sauce yes <laughs> oh god i want to watch the movie again right now even though i just watched it like two days ago mm-hmm. it's, it's very uh, very good everyone is just on fire in that movie um uh, Jim Broadbent, it's a phenomenal performance. It's got one of my favorite lines from a movie of all time. A big bushy beard! Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, what is it? We'll be up to our necks and jugglers. Like, there's just, it's just, <laughs> it's it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I actually just watched Clue last night uh, for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Clue is just, what a movie. The fact that that movie is as funny as it is, but also just keeps going. It's kind of like, um, it's like Monty Python and the Holy Grail or um, A Fish Called Wanda, where the jokes are just coming at you constantly, where you can barely keep up. And sometimes they don't even say them as jokes. Like you have to be paying attention to 
you have to pay pay attention to like five different lines of dialogue back to back to be able to catch up catch like the joke itself in its right. entirety. And if you're not, like you're just kind of like, what's going on? It's uh, clues great and hot fuzz works a lot like that where it's just like they are constantly there's a joke in just about every line of dialogue, even if it's expository. There's something going on, and it's it. I love the movie so much. I really really love it. Oh yeah, I was telling Heat that too, just rewatching these movies, that every single line has a purpose. There is not one single throwaway line in any of these movies, mm-hmm. which is just unbelievable. And a lot of it's just small talk that you think isn't important, but every single line has a purpose. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh the action is good. I, I was telling um uh Diana when we were watching um hot fuzz i was like when i saw this in theaters this was like an insane moment at the end like when all of like the action stuff starts going down and it's like everything from every movie you've ever seen and they just keep going to each of the locations of like the small town it's like time for the pub let's go check out the flower shop like all that stuff need anything from the store it's like when they're doing all of that it's just people were just like losing their minds (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I always get sidetracked. I always like forget that everybody survives and that they're all yes. getting mug shots at the end. And you remember like, oh yeah, they didn't actually like kill anyone. Kill anybody. Yeah. You're like, this is great. I think the only thing that I picked up on this time and wished I hadn't is that when they do go to the pub and they take out the male, the husband of the mm-hmm. owners, and then the the wife is still back there. And she says, mm-hmm. somebody call the police. Mm-hmm. And then the Jim Broadbent character comes in and he's telling, or like all of the force comes to arrest yeah. um, Nick Angel. And uh, that whole scene goes down. Jim Broadbent leaves. But they never take care of the wife. Like, the wife kind of gets forgotten. You never oh, see really? them take her down. Because um, she's just like hiding behind the bar. I I think oh. so. Oh uh, yeah, I was trying to. I'm trying to remember exactly how they take everybody out. Um, I thought it was something to. Is that with the pinball machine or I don't know? I think I might be thinking of something else. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think she's the only one that gets away, but clearly they get her in the end because you see her in the end montage with all mm-hmm. of the the mug shots. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh bummer. There's like one very small loose thread mm-hmm. in this, but what can you do? I lo- it's the. Uh, what is that? Uh, real quick, touching on if the Andes are the funniest for me in the movie, a very, very close second is probably Timothy Dalton. Oh, he's so funny. The, he Skinner. He is doing something that I can't quite put my finger on. It's like he's so over the top that he's normal again. And you keep forgetting that it's Timothy Dalton. Like, you never forget that it's Timothy Dalton because he looks like him. But you just forget that Timothy Dalton can act any other way than the way that he's acting. Like, he's just he's just turned his smarm and charm up so high. Like, his first line, uh, like, made me just laugh out loud. And I couldn't listen to the rest of it. He's like, lock me up. <laughs> and he's, like, running. He's like, I'm a slasher of prices. He's so goddamn funny in this. Like, the Hot Fuzz is just, like, uh, aside from, you know, the the missing uh, bartender, uh, bar owner, 
uh, there's nothing wrong with this movie. And mm-hmm. I'd venture that I don't even consider that something wrong with the movie. No, and, not necessarily. Yeah, but it's like, there's just, the movie is just so funny, so tight, so well made. I love it. I love it so, so much. Yeah, I, I also think that it's a lot smarter than I am. Because I certainly have not seen a lot of buddy cop movies. That's not my genre that mm-hmm. I lean into. And so I'm sure that there are a lot of references in that last act where mm-hmm. the multiple endings start happening. I'm sure there's stuff that I miss. Yeah, there's like, it's All essentially... All and references and every it, single cop like, movie that they talk about, they end the movie mm-hmm. in that way. But what are we going to say? Uh, it's, um, they're like pretty much for, you know, at the sake of like hyperbole, almost every shot like gunshot and everything like that every motion and every movement is directly pulled from uh some obscure action movie or big action movie from like the 70s 80s and 90s it's like there's bad boys there's point break there's all those obvious ones but then it very much is just like they're just kind of taking these comedic versions of very classic kind of like shootouts and stuff like that and it's like it's i i definitely don't notice all of them too but there's there's just like a love for these movies, uh, for these action movies that's so apparent in Hot Fuzz in the same way that Shaun of the Dead has so much love for zombie movies and Romero movies. Mm-hmm. And it's that type of thing where I, that's another thing with The World's End. I don't think I feel that that kind of camaraderie and love for body snatching movies to the same degree. Because really the only, the only person that, I kind of like catch on with that is probably the Martin Freeman character when he gets blanked and the Pierce Brosnan character, which good job I could write for getting two James Bonds. He's got to get Daniel Craig in a movie. Yeah. In Shaun of the Dead, that would have made it perfect. I wish. I wish. Well, now you know what it is? Some Rafe's ball needs to be Bond. That's what I say. That's what it is. That would be great. Or Nick Frost. Oh, man. I don't know. That'd be great. Or uh, who would make a good James Bond from that movie? I mean, it'd have to be someone younger, and I feel yeah. like a lot of them are, not to be gross, but aging out. <laughs> aging out. Well, I mean, they also love hiring people who are like 42 years old to start playing Bond and like just not care about it anymore. And you're just like, Idris Elba cannot be Bond. He's too old. Stop it. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, you can't just get like one or two films out of these actors. Yeah, do you think if they actually did do, like, the gender switch, that they would hire a 42-year-old woman to start oh, playing Bond in the first one? Excuse me. <laughs> although, although Rachel Wise would probably make a pretty good Bond. Yeah, that Dif- would be cool. Different, different take. Rachel mm-hmm. Wise would make a pretty good anything. Put her in an Edgar Wright movie. Yes. I mean, sadly, I just don't think they're ever going to actually gender bend that character. Which no, is fine. And- they don't have to. It's Bond. Yeah. That's, it's Bond, make another character, do Atomic Blonde, but do it better. Yeah. You I know, never like, saw that, but sure. Atomic Atomic Blonde is like trying to do that thing, but it's like, do that, just put, don't, just make a movie with a, you know, female lead who is Bond-esque. I don't know. It's a spy. Like, there's nothing about Bond other than the fact that he's a misogynistic, alcoholic prick that makes Bond different from any other, like, spy character. Just do that. But you have to put 
$555 million behind it for production and marketing. You need to give it the same. You have to release it in July or push it to November. And like you have to give it these same things. That's what would be fun. And if you're going to do that, um, then you, you need to use Rachel Wise. Yeah, there you go. Or uh, Emily Blunt would probably be really good too. Yeah, both good options. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, back in Hot Fuzz, it yeah, took please. me um, until this viewing to realize that at the very end with Skinner in the model village with mm-hmm. Aaron A. Aronson, um, the thing that takes him down is a bite that like Aaron bites him and ah. that leads to his demise, which I thought was a very fun nod that I had never really put two and two together. That's before. pretty good, yeah. Yeah, and just like noticing all of these little connections was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think about like parts of the movie to talk about, and I just keep laughing thinking about them. <laughs> um, the uh, I I think that the entire sub subplot, but just like moment in the movie where you're dealing with the Romeo and Juliet play, mm-hmm. from like pulling the car over to like them like getting killed and Timothy Dalton showing up with like Lou Reed's Romeo and Juliet playing. Oh my God. Like it's just those two performances from the two actors, like the actors in the play, I think is amazing. I think the fact that they so, that they so lightly and loosely show that it is the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet movie version mm-hmm. without pay, without saying it out loud or really focusing in on it i think is one of the funniest things i've ever seen i love it oh yeah just the fact that eve draper probably knows romeo and juliet because of the movie mm-hmm. and nothing else yes <laughs> like that's her reference point very mm-hmm. funny um i also love the uh the just like the way that the different like when the deaths happen and we and we are given we are like shown the deaths happening it's done in a hyper stylized like very kind of crash zoom edgar wright stuff but it's done with an almost raimi flair you know sam raimi like it's almost done with like a kind of like army of darkness kind of like he kind of shifts gears into a horror genre fully for those things and then goes right back to like the kind of action stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah with i think all that those, that's a lot of fun like hyper stylized colors like the color yes. palette changes Mm-hmm. in those scenes very good yeah. and uh one of my favorite shots in all of edgar wright's movies is uh when the guy who owns the mansion uh gets hit in the head and falls down and it it slash cuts into um uh nick angel slamming down like sitting down like in um nick frost's apartment yeah you and always forget how like clean that scene is until you're watching so, it it's so good it's a very 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 good movie mm-hmm. absolutely very yeah and just that entire scene yeah like you said like with the piss on the seat and everything yeah, yeah. you want to come up for a beer then uh and then all of a sudden it's like the pissing in the scene but then it like it has transitioned back to the mansion it's all these things that like you kind of take for granted with an edgar wright movie and just trying to remember like how fresh and new that was you know, 20 years ago, like when these movies were like 20 or so years ago when these movies were coming out, it's like, God, he's just like really good. And that's what makes, I'm really excited to talk about Baby Driver eventually, because that's one of the things that makes that movie so special is just like the evolution, the maturity of these things. And they're still there, but they're kind of being used towards a more like kind of like 
classical narrative. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to revisit Baby Driver because I think I feel the way about Baby Driver that you feel about The World's End. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to revisiting it because I've only seen it the one time. Oh, I've seen that movie like 10 times now. Oh, I know. I love that movie. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I guess like in the progression of everything too, kind of like maybe focus on, we both leaned the same direction at the same time there. Weird. We're on Zoom, everybody. Um, uh, talking about Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, God damn it. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, one of the most quoted movies on a day-to-day basis from me without me even realizing it. Really? Um, yeah. I, I use a lot of mannerisms and stuff from that movie, whether I'm misquoting or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and like rewatching it this time, I just remember it's like, a, it's kind of like when I recently rewatched Punch Drunk Love. Uh, I, I've watched Punch, Punch Drunk Love is like one of the five movies in my life that I've probably seen over a hundred times without even realizing it. Like that with like Almost Famous and Halloween. They're movies that I would just put on. Um, and in watching Punch Drunk Love for the first time in 10 years, the same with Shaun of the Dead, I was finding myself just like knowing every line of dialogue, every cut, every beat, just moments before it was about to happen. Kind of like when you hear one of your favorite songs that you haven't heard mm-hmm. in forever, but you still remember the words. Like it's just like it becomes this kind of thing and that's what I was kind of getting at when I was talking about like these movies being old friends that you haven't hung out with in a while. Shaun of the Dead is definitely like that came out when I was in high school. And what what a what a movie to watch when you're in high school. It's a very it's a very it's kind formative. of low rate. Yeah. And it's like you can make movies. Look, you know, but like it's very hard to do this, but he makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something cool about that film that it looks so effortless but also like very low budget at times. It just, yeah, it looks like your friends made this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's And that's, I'm really excited to talk about Space too because that's a movie that all of the different, all of the things that go into the Cornetto trilogy are very much on display in space. Pretty much everything that he does, uh, his entire filmography after Space, like there are seeds in those like, what, 14 episodes? Mm-hmm. It's not that long. I don't and think, it's like, yeah, something like that. And it's just like, everything is kind of in there, even going back to like, you know, the obvious music video that he made that is essentially the idea for Baby Driver done 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that it's, it's just very exciting to see, knowing where Edgar Wright has gone in the 16 years since Shaun of the Dead and watching Shaun of the Dead and just going like, this was him right out of the gate? Like, that's nuts. Like, I know Space, like, is first, but this is, like, a full, big-on budget movie, like, slightly bigger budget than what he's probably used to, and they get to do all of the same fun stuff that they did in Space, but they have money and time and, like, you know, ways to be able to do it. And it's just insane to see how they don't drop the ball, like, at all. Like, they just go from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... uh Maybe why I also like The World's End is because it's such a reunion for those spaced actors. Yes. Um, it has, like, all of your favorites, like, Tires, Brian. You have Marsha in there. She's, like, mm-hmm. a hotel owner. Just, like, little mm-hmm. brief little Yeah, when Brian snapshots. shows up. Bra- Brian. Brian. 
Brian, uh, <laughs> when Brian shows up and he's got that that great like beer dialogue, or it's like a little nutty flavor with a little fruit that sits on the end of your tongue. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, I also love um, with the world's end real quick. That just reminded me of Rosamund Pike. Oh yeah, popping up. Rosamund Pike is like the person that I've known for 10 years and didn't realize I knew her before I'd seen Gone Girl. Like I saw Gone Girl and I was like, who is this? This is an amazing performance. Where did this person come from? And then I realized that she's been in like 15 movies I've seen for the past 10 years, but she's always just kind of like, she's not like the the brightest shining thing. In an Mm -hmm. Edgar Wright movie with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, having a uh, lead, like a, a pretty much like lead female character, is um, not the norm. So you would be paying attention to it, but it's just like Sam's character is just kind of overwhelmed by all of the stuff that's going on. And Rosamund Pike was also in like I was looking at her filmography, and I was just like, Rosamund, what? Oh, how have you been working for so long, and I haven't known about all of this because her performance in Gone Girl like completely put her on my radar. I think the same with everybody else, where it made mm-hmm. her like a leading, a leading lady, and like she's also you know I think she got nominated that year, but she didn't win. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel remember. like she had to have gotten nominated. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Gone Girl? I have, and that was yeah. I think the only other Rosamund Pike movie that I've seen. Other than mm-hmm. The World's End. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, I didn't know who she was at all in The World's End. Like, not even yeah, a small crack. It's just, it's just like a regular, it's, a, it's another actor. Like, I was, uh, I think when World's End came out, I was still probably a little, uh, Patty Considine wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, M- Martin Freeman was probably only on my radar based on uh, British comedies that I had seen him in. But, you know, I think that was, 2013 was before... Hobbit? Yes, absolutely. And it was after um, Love Actually, which I uh, think there you go. a lot um, of people, I mean, that was just a smorgasbord of British actors. Oh, yes. Yes. And uh, who's the American in that movie? In Love Actually. Love Actually? Isn't the, there's one character that's American. There are a couple um, characters that tr- are American, but... I'm trying to remember... Is it, oh, is it Kira Knightley's uh, fiance is American? No, I don't think so. No? Hmm. I can't remember. Because hmm. one of the characters yeah, goes over to America. Yeah, I remember his, that whole yeah. thing. Because uh, then there's, um, what is it? Shannon Elizabeth, right? Is like the, think the so. girl, he the girlfriend he brings back. And it's like, American pie. Get it? Mm-hmm. I think Get you're it? Thinking, it's American pie. <laughs> I think you're thinking of, and I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. The one who has the brother who lives in, like, assisted living. Um, She's in Ozark. She's in The Truman Show. What is her name? Yeah, you're right. She's the American. Yes. And she's the secretary, right? Or she works at the office where she's going to, like, she likes the dude, the really Mm -hmm. hot guy, Mm -hmm. who was the guy from Lost, Paulo. Oh, yeah. He's also mm. in um, 300. 300. He's very weird. He's, he's the very weird movie. This is a nice, this is a nice tangent we're going <laughs> this down. This is weird. Um, yeah, God, I'm going to try and remember her name in the back of my head while we continue this. Uh-huh. Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Great movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's such a, a good time. Like, 
really just highlighting pub culture in England. Mm-hmm. All of these movies really give a good shout out to pub culture, which is something that doesn't really exist in the States. No, yeah. And and uh, of which the world's end kind of acts like an almost uh, like a very fine like point at the end of that being like, this is all well and good and fun, but you need to be able to control some of this stuff. But yeah, we're a bunch of assholes anyway, and we're not going to let anybody boss us around. But seriously, maybe also like, you know, calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This actress really sidelined this conversation. Oh, t- <laughs> I'm trying That's to like okay. ima- I'm trying to imagine what she looks like, but all I'm getting is Rosamund Pike in my head now, and I can't I can't push it out. Yeah, yeah. I was looking through Rosamund Pike's um, filmography, and yeah, nothing that I've seen really. I mean, she was. Uh, I believe it was Die Another Day. She was like the she is like Die Another Bond Day. girl in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but everybody Die Another Day is one of those movies where technically Halle Berry was the Bond girl. Even she played Jinx. Mm, That's such a great name, Jinx. I'm Halle Berry. She's not. She's not British in that. Right? <laughs> okay. She's not British. Um, yeah. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is just like the same things that are really great with Hot Fuzz. It's like amazing jokes, great characters, amazing performances by everybody. You get some really good. Um, you get some really good. Uh, same with uh, World's End. You get some great spaced um, cameos in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just like. The it's one of those movies where talking about how great it is almost feels like, yeah, of course, everybody knows that Shaun of the Dead is a great movie. And it's it's great because its characters are built into its comedy, which is built into its narrative, which is built into its structure, which is built into how everything is executed, pun intended. It's it's all of these things that work together to build like this fantastic house of a movie. Mm-hmm. So in Shaun of the Dead... How do you think the zombies live? Do you think they need to eat? Do you think mm-hmm. they just have a desire to eat, but they don't really need it? They can exist without any sustenance? Mm-hmm. How how do you think it goes down? What are the zombie rules? Uh, I think it's kind of like, um, I think that they uh, are just like feeding because they feel like it. Yeah. Like, like they're being pulled to feed. Are you, are you kind of getting at like the idea of the ending and that Nick yeah. Frost doesn't need to eat? Yeah. All of these, uh, zombies at the end of the world that people have decided to hang on to like that woman mm-hmm. and her husband <laughs> on that talk show. Yeah. And then, yeah, like the Nick Frost character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's, a, maybe, maybe it's an evolution of like, you know, if you've been a zombie for long enough, you just kind of go back to your old ways, but there's really no difference in lifestyle for you. Yeah, maybe. You know, because everybody's just a zombie. Everyone uh, is just did, a zombie. Did you ever read Cell by Stephen King, the no, zombie I have outbreak not, book? But I so would like it, to. Spoiler alert for Cell. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear that. And Burn, if you're okay, yeah. I, really, I really need to tell you this. That's fine. <laughs> In Cell, the first half of the book is a zombie outbreak a la The Walking Dead. Halfway through the book, the zombies learn how to telepathically communicate with one another and fly. Okay. And it is not supposed to be funny. It happens. I read it and I went, what the fuck? And then you read the rest of it and you keep waiting for that moment to be like a dream or something. But it's not. Ooh, what is that? Oh, a little hot rod action. Um, this is uh, the the fire station siren. 
Oh, it's down a the fire street. station. Mm-hmm. Ah, Very fitting. That's really nice. I called really them. Good audio. I called them. I organized this. <laughs> Said, could you blare that siren during this podcast? Oh, trust me, that's just happening. That's happening right now. That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else to like put on Shaun of the Dead? Like, we're, we're, we're coming out about an hour right now. Yeah. Were you done with your cell thought? Just that was no. That's that's the cell thought. Where oh, okay. it's just like it's like the idea of like the evolution of zombies and where things go, which is something that like I think The Walking Dead is starting to deal with right now too. Where like they started introducing the idea that zombies can do different things. Whether or not that is true is is is, is yet to be decided. But like I was kind of giving like a really aggressive example of like you know you can make zombies do kind of whatever you want just by saying that's what they do now. So like they fly and they have a Harvard sweatshirt on. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the book. Like, it's that's the book. <laughs> yeah. Stephen King likes to do that with pretty much every type of monster that you are used to. He likes to give them a little bit of, like, new wiggle room, mm-hmm. new powers. Yeah. That's kind of Stephen ca- King's thing. Catch you off guard. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, have you watched uh, The Outsider? Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. But I, uh, it's on my list. Very, very good show, in my opinion. It's one of those things where it's like every episode gets progressively better, kind of in the same way we were talking about with Watchmen, mm-hmm. where you're just like, well, good show. Hopefully they keep this up and it just keeps getting better. And you're just like, okay, all right. Very good. And it's also, uh, it's got an actor in it who I was unfamiliar with. Um, and I won't talk about it anymore because I know you want to watch it. Uh, but the actor played the dad in Black Mirror season four? Uh, in the Miley Cyrus episode, did you watch the Black Mirror season? I did not. Very great episode. It's uh, called Jack, Rachel, and Ashley 2. And it's got Miley Cyrus in it kind of playing a, a, a big version, a, a, a fictional version of herself. Okay. Um, but also a big version of herself. <laughs> and the dad in it is an actor from The Outsider. And that guy is uh, a phenomenal actor with like the type of face that Hollywood has been missing. Like he's got this specific type of face that hmm. you've never seen before. And you're like, oh, right, we need that face in movies. So now he's going to be the guy with that face that gets cast in all the movies. Interesting. It's kinda, yeah, it's like finding like a new Steve Buscemi. You're like, the guy with that face, put him in there. Yeah, that paints a picture. Yeah, he's not, <laughs> he's not Steve Buscemi-esque. Right. But he's very... He's got a thing that he can do, and he does it well, and he looks the part. Hmm. Is he the main character? In, no, in the outsider. No, in the outsider, it, the outsider is very much an ensemble. I would, I would say there really isn't a main character in that show. Um, gotcha. But he's definitely one of like the main four people. Cool. Um, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Love it. Good social commentary. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I think the zombies slowly start to get back into their own type of uh, their mannerisms, their lifestyle beforehand. And that kind of just pushes the metaphor of like, we're all zombies. Wake up, man. Or Mm -hmm. don't. Just have fun. Yeah. It's also nice to follow this actor or this group of actors deal with aging because Mm -hmm. I think all of these movies very much so deal with the concept of aging and time and what's your relevance in the world. Mm-hmm. To various degrees, but I think they all really hone in on that. Because I guess when I watched Shaun of the Dead, I wasn't tracking that Sean's supposed to be 29. 
Which, oh, okay. like, struck me as odd now that I'm watching it and I'm older than 29. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, Sean's younger than I am at this point. Yeah, that is something that you sometimes, you 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 realize as you're getting older and you're watching these movies you grew up with, you're just like, oh, they're 22? Oh, sh- oh shit. <laughs> it sucks. It's like I keep forgetting that Marty McFly is 18 years old. Like, I keep, and that's a very much a part of his character. It's not negligent. It's he is... He is 18. He's in high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, he's young. He doesn't fucking know anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so that was an odd realization. But yeah, just dealing with the idea of, you know, are you stagnating? Are you comfortable with that? Would you prefer to excel in life or move past this rut that you're in? Because we're all like always kind of in a rut. All of us. Right. It's either you like being there or not. Sometimes mm-hmm. people think stagnation is good, and stagnation has a negative connotation, but the opposite of settling, like being content where you are. I think mm-hmm. all three of these movies really deal with that. Like, are you content where you are? And if you aren't, why aren't you? And what can you do to fix it? Because right. like the Nick Angel character in Hot Fuzz, he thinks he's happy. He thinks he knows what he wants, but he needs someone else to tell him what he actually wants. And so it's nice for him to find himself, you know, big fish, small pond type of scenario. Mm -hmm. But then to watch that again, that progression change in The World's End, where, you know, he's clearly a character who has not tended to his well-being throughout his entire life and just like confronting what it is that made him that way. I think Mm -hmm. all three of these movies are good representations of that. Absolutely. I mean, that's what kind of, you know, he could just say, it's the Cornetto trilogy, and they could just be linked together by those two actors and, you know, the style. But they all do very much have that kind of, like, growing up in these different types of things, these learning lessons types of things. I think that Hot Fuzz is the funniest one, so I think that that's why I kind of gravitate towards that one more. Um, I also just love small town like going to like a, a very small quaint town and like having some weird cult shit go down. Love it. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Um uh Laura Laura Linney. Dern, Laura Linney, yes. Yes. I, I find while you were talking, I got her face in my head. And I was like, that's the face. All right, pay attention to what Pern is saying though. You have the face. Hold on to that. And then I started talking and I was like, what is the name that's attached to that face? Laura Lenny from Love Actually. From Love Actually. American. American. Not Laura Dern. No, but also American. Uh, I almost said Laura Dern because I thought it was Laura Dern for a second. Nope, Uh, not quite. (laughs) Well, anything else on Shaun of the Dead that you want to put out there? Or anything else on Edgar Wright in general before we wrap up this first super fun episode (laughs) on the filmography (laughs) of Edgar Wright? Which I think we should call The Right Stuff. The right stuff? Uh, okay. Is that a good name for this series? Uh, is it, is you it could, dumb? You could call it that. I mean, I like, um, I like. Uh, oh gosh, we forgot to name this. <laughs> That's good too. I think it's really good. <laughs> Speci- specifically with the oh gosh, I think that's really great. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh gosh, we forgot to name this. <laughs> See, I'm bringing you that small town charm. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. Yeah, and I figure, you know, like, we've talked about doing this for a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, and we finally, like, we're like, we need to do it already. Uh, 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to do the next episode. We're going to cover Spaced. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, we're going to have an episode that's going to cover Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the world. And um, the actual Peyton Reed movie, Ant-Man, but also all of the things that Edgar Wright was going to be putting in there and kind of discussing that kind of thing. And that can kind of give us like a backdrop to be able to kind of talk about Edgar Wright kind of. Because that's a very big deal. When that happens to him, that is something that kind of, I think, changes where he's going to be going from here on out. Because I think he kind of learned some lessons that maybe he shouldn't have had to have learned, but he definitely took some stuff away from that. And then going into Baby Driver, and that'll kind of close us out. And then we can start revisiting Edgar Wright whenever he drops some new stuff. We've got uh, the Soho flick. Was it Last Night in Soho? or? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming out. Apparently he has an animated movie called Shadows that is going to be, uh, that's very secretive. Uh, even the IMDb page, literally the plot synopsis is plot has been kept tightly under wraps. Oh, so we shall see. Good. I'm uh, into that. Shadows. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun talking some rights. Uh, you know, we're, these aren't going to be really scheduled out like in any kind of normal manner, but we do have a lot of time and I'm really looking forward to watching Spaced. So I'll probably just start on that, and once we've both linked up and we've watched them all, we'll get together and do this again. Yeah, that'll be great. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, excited about that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it really is kind of just these days, you're just kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm done doing the thing that I started doing an hour ago, and now I'll just um, look for something else to do. I, I uh, alphabetized my records, which was really good. I think I'm going to do the same thing with my DVDs and Blu-rays next. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, been cleaning a lot and moving furniture around and kind of yes. redecorating a little bit, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Yeah, I've, I've cleaned way too much. No. Like, just way too much. Like, it's no. too clean. Yes, it's too, it's too clean now. Because I can't keep this up. Yeah. And now now when it gets down to normal, which used to be clean, I'm gonna be like, it's dirty. Yeah. And now I have to keep trying more and more. I can't I can't keep this up. Yeah, I guess that's right. Like pretty much every time I walk by the sink, if there's anything in there, yeah. it's gotta go. Yeah, and I'm just like, I need to oh god, I keep having to refill the ice cube trays <laughs> and the filtered water just keeps fucking running out. How am I out of coffee already? I made two gallons of that like a day ago. Yep. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. Ah, well, thank you guys again for listening to another episode of Oh Gosh, We Forgot to Name This, a.k.a. The Right Stuff. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll catch you next time when we talk about Spaced. Uh, um, this is getting released on our exclusive content feed um, for right now. Uh, so if you're not on the exclusive content feed and you're listening to this, that means we've finally released it to the public. Um, but, uh, if you are on the, uh, membership feed for getting this, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. That's a really cool way to support, uh, the contributors and all the podcast shows that we have on here. Uh, keep your eye out for polls and stuff like that so that we can have some more, um, uh, kind of listener based content getting out there. Uh, and, uh, make sure you check out all the other awesome story screen presents shows like cat the Raycast, over drinkers, hot takes, try nine, and also all the articles and reviews and content that we have over at story screen, uh, follow us on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. 
And follow us on Twitter at story underscore screen. You can also find us on Facebook. Thanks to Von Holt for our music. And uh, big thanks to Bernadette Gorman White for joining me today and uh, talking about three really cool movies. Thanks for having me. With very nice color palettes. Mm-hmm. Red, blue, green. Yes. That's why it's called the Cornetto Trilogy. <laughs> Not for brain freeze. That, for, for those that didn't know. No. <laughs> awesome. All right. Bye, bye, guys. Bye, bye, bye. It looks like he has an animated movie coming out too. Did you see that? Uh, no, I did not. It, it's this movie called Shadows that's been kept completely under wraps. It's got like a pretty unknown voice cast. Cool. And yeah, I was looking at like his upcoming stuff because, you know, because he just announced too that he wants to do something else after um, Soho, which I read the plot synopsis for Soho. Oh, yeah. Weird. It's really weird. I thought it was going to be more in vain of like Baby Driver, like a kind of noir kind of thing. It's like time travel and like magic. Oh, cool. I was like, what? Oh, I thought I had heard that this was just kind of like a straight up like rainy, gritty, like uh, neo-noir with Edgar Wright mannerisms. But no, apparently it's fucking weird. Oh, cool. That's exciting. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I'm into it. (laughs)